What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are going to talk about the news that dropped uh, today, or if you're uh, by the time this podcast drops, it's yesterday, but dropped today about the, the new schedules as the Big Ten welcomes USC and UCLA into the conference. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow wherever you get your podcast, make that Apple, Google, Spotify. Make sure you you check out the podcast, subscribe to it, leave a review, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Big Ten Football Talk handle. Send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. You know, I said we were gonna start producing more content, you know, as the summer started to to progress. And there had been rumors of the schedule dropping in the near future. And I think a number of things that came out today, most of them I don't think were that surprising, but there are a couple, couple shockers in here. But w- this isn't just about schedules, but it's, it's the implications for the future of the conference. And so the, the big one as the schedule dropped today, no more divisions. That was wildly speculated that there, there would no, be no more divisions. We had heard from, from many higher-ups that – they weren't going to do divisions. Other conferences had specified that they were they were nixing divisions. The SEC being the most notable, that they are sticking to eight games and sixteen teams, and I think they're they're getting rid of divisions. The Big Ten nine game conference schedule, three non conference games, no divisions, which means that the kind of the logjam in the East that Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State at times. It's no longer a logjam to get to the Big Ten championship game. And so you can see a rematch of Ohio State-Michigan or Michigan-Penn State or, you know, if it it turns out this way, USC-Wisconsin, something like that. And so it it really does, in some ways, help the conference title picture. It's going to be the two best teams, at least the two best in terms of record. Now, I, I think there's some things about that that we'll talk about later. But the reality is you're going to get a lot a lot more variation in the Big Ten title game. And in you're going to get probably some better matchups, right? So like this past year even, and I don't mean this to any disrespect to Purdue, but Purdue was not the second best team in the conference this year. It was Ohio State. And so you would have gotten a rematch of Ohio State-Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. And with a four-team playoff, it probably would have knocked Ohio State out of the playoff if they lost again. If they ended up beating Michigan, it probably wouldn't have mattered. They probably both would have been in. Um, one, one thing to note is that this is happening in 2024, 
And so any concern about missing the playoff as the second best team in the Big Ten and having to play a championship game kind of is moot because in 2024, they're going to a 12-team playoff. So in a lot of ways, and I was listening to the Cleveland.com's uh, uh, Buckeye talk, uh, Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, uh, Nathan Baird. Those guys are awesome. You should definitely listen to them. But they they were making the point that the Big Ten title game is probably going to become more of a seeding game than it will be a get in to the tournament game. And what I mean by that is, remember, the, the, the top four conference champions will get buys uh, into the, in, in a 12-team playoff. So, in a sense, unless if the Big Ten has a really down year, which looking at the landscape, like the Pac-12's in trouble. There's rumors that the teams are leaving the Pac-12. The Big 12's in trouble because, like, Cincinnati's their third best team at this point, and that doesn't mean much. The ACC, there's teams poking around, possibly leaving the ACC. It's looking more and more like the SEC and the Big Ten – are the two big conferences. And so in a lot of ways, the Big Ten, that Big Ten championship game is becoming a game about seeding for for the, the college football playoff. So that that's just an important data point. If you're sitting there thinking, oh gosh, the division thing really protected Ohio State this past year and now it may not protect you're probably not going to need it to protect in terms of getting into the dance in future years. Because remember, we're going from four teams to 12 teams. So with all that in mind, uh, I want to get to some of the details of this and then maybe some takeaways. So the first thing is this. They they announced that each team, that the the intention of the schedule that came out is that in every four-year cycle – they want every team in the Big Ten to play each other at least twice in a home-and-home scenario. So what I mean by that is Ohio State or Penn State or Purdue, every single team would play all the other 15-member institutions at least once at home and at least once away in the next four years, so 2024 to 2027. In that, every two-year cycle, or every every two years, each team plays three teams home and away in the next two years, and that includes protected rivals. So each each team gets three teams, three programs that they'll play uh, twice in two years. So, for instance, Illinois is playing Purdue and Northwestern uh, home and away in 2024 and 2025. And they play play those teams. Illinois plays Purdue and Northwestern because they're protected rivals. And then the third team is Ohio State where they get away in 2024 and they get home in 2025. And so those are the three teams that they get both in 2024 and 2025. Everybody else... They play once in 2024 or 2025, and then they wait to play them again sometime in the next two years. So hopefully that makes sense. The, the other, so that's one data point. The other thing is 
not every team has the same amount of protected rivals. So I'll just go down this list for a minute. Illinois, it's Purdue and Northwestern. They get two. Uh, Indiana, it's Purdue. And that's it. The old oaken bucket. That's it. Iowa has three. It's Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, which makes sense that they're, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota are traditional rivals. Nebraska, they kind of manufactured as they came in to the conference. Maryland is Rutgers. In, in some senses, it makes sense because they came in together. Michigan gets two with Michigan State and Ohio State. Michigan State, it's just Michigan. It's just Michigan. Uh, Minnesota, it's Iowa and Wisconsin. Nebraska, it's just Iowa. Northwestern, it's just Illinois. Ohio State, interestingly enough, is just Michigan. And I, I have some thoughts behind that. But uh, Purdue, they get Illinois and Indiana. Rutgers, obviously just Maryland. UCLA gets USC. USC gets UCLA. Wisconsin gets Minnesota and Iowa. And you might be thinking, wait, he forgot a team. No, I didn't forget a team. The Big Ten forgot a team. Penn State has zero. They have zero protected rivals. And I'll start there. I think Penn State fans... And if I don't mean this in a mean way, but I think sometimes Penn State fans can have a fragile ego and feel like the conference is against them. This does not help this. This does not help. And if, if I'm honest, I, I can understand it, but it just feels like a terrible way for Tony Petiti to start his reign as the Big Ten commissioner. And I don't know if this was his fault or if it was the ADs or what, but to not give them anybody protected, just it feels, it feels like it's just another way, it's, it's another perceived slight for Penn State. Now, before I go any further with that, I think there are a few things to consider. I do think it would have been a tough sell for Ohio State's protected rivals who they play every year be Michigan and Penn State. Because at this point, they are the top – Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State are the top three teams in the Big Ten. No offense to USC. USC lost to Tulane. They got killed by Utah – like USC is not on the same level. I don't I don't care how great Lincoln Riley is and how great Caleb Williams is. They're not on the same they're not on the same playing field right now. Like they're they're just not. And having said that, I I think it would have been a, a, a stretch to have Ohio State play Michigan and Penn State every single year when they are the top three teams right now. And historically, they'll be one of the top four teams in the conference from year to year, right? Certainly there'll be years where Wisconsin and UCLA and Michigan State rise up. But the reality is Penn State is one of the top four brands in the conference. 
and you're going to have Ohio State play Michigan and Penn State every year. Same goes for Penn State and Michigan, right? Like Michigan already has Ohio State and Michigan State. No offense to Penn State, but both Ohio State and Michigan's rivalries that they had before Penn State entered the conference are more important and more valuable in the in the grand scheme of things. And so I have a hard time I, like I, I can see why they didn't put Penn State and Penn State there in those games. And I, it, that makes me have a hard time when Penn State fans say this is unfair. Having said that, I think this could have been a really helpful way for Penn State to begin a new rivalry, right? Like I think there could have been a natural, uh, a natural way to connect Penn State maybe to Nebraska because it would, it would have made sense from a, an entry point way, right? Nebraska, Penn State. Nebraska, uh, Penn State entered in the 90s, then Nebraska was the next team to enter in. I get that Nebraska hasn't tangled with Penn State much, but I think from a historical perspective, that would have made sense. I, you know, I think they could have continued Penn State, Michigan State. Um, although that would, have, that would have been tough for Michigan State just from a competitive nature. I think they could have done Penn State USC because no offense to UCLA, but out of USC and UCLA, UCLA is the weaker program. USC and Penn State are much more like equals than USC UCLA is. But I still think you'd want to protect USC UCLA, obviously. Um, but, but other than those three, every other team trying to set up a rivalry with Penn State, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. You know, Maryland had a lot of bravado trying to, you know, start something with Penn State. But I think Penn State fans would have felt disrespected if the rivalry was Penn State-Maryland or Penn State-Rutgers. I think they would have felt – like I think there was a lot of – in a lot of ways, it was a no-win situation for Penn State. And the reality is as, as much as Penn State I think is a – a power and is respected in the conference. I do think they are newer blood than Ohio State, Michigan, and they're always, whether fair or not, and I'm not saying it is fair. Ohio State, and Michigan are always going to be more protected because they are the two. They have been the two pillars of the conference for a long, long time, and while Penn State has 30 years in the conference, Ohio State and Penn State have over 100. And so that's just that's just a reality. Now, is it fair? No. Would I have done it this way? Probably not. As a Buckeye fan, I'm just taking my, you know, removing my, you know, Big Ten hat and putting my Ohio State hat on, I actually would have loved to see Ohio State, Penn State be protected. But then even as a Ohio State historian i would say it, it i think that would also cause problems because if you're going to protect penn state i think you've got illinois who's also an anchor member in the conference i think illinois would be upset because you've got a rivalry game with illinois where there's actually a trophy uh the battle of illibuck and that's being disrespected and while illinois is not nearly as good as penn state illinois at times has really risen up and been a, a good program in the Big Ten. 
Last year they were in the West, they were in the West and obviously made some hay throughout the year. Uh, had a really good defense last year. So it, it, Penn State was the enigma in all of this. Like USC came in with UCLA, Rutgers and Maryland came in together, and then every other team was established. And Nebraska and Iowa really hit it off. Part of the reason why they hit it off is because Nebraska hasn't been as good as their blue blood status kind of aims them up to be. And so Nebraska, in a lot of ways, has been on par with Iowa. Well, and and actually, no offense to Nebraska fans, they haven't been nearly as good as Iowa. But Nebraska and Iowa seem to fit more culturally and competitively than Penn State does with Nebraska. So I, all that to say... I understand why they didn't give Penn State a protected rival. I also, I still don't think it was the right move. I I might have just said Penn State, Michigan State, just to keep it, to keep it there. But I I don't know. It's tough. Um, So that, that was one of my first takeaways. I think the other takeaway, just looking at the rest of the teams, looking at the rest of the lineup, it does seem like, a lot of the lineups are are fairly even. You know, if you look, for instance, at Northwestern, um, they miss a couple of the premier teams the first year, but they get a lot of the premier teams. So they, you know, they get Ohio State, USC, and Penn State in one year. But then in 2025, you know, they still get Ohio State but they miss Penn State, they miss USC, they miss, miss UCLA, but they get Michigan, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. And so I, it seems to be, I know, fairly even, and I think that's, and I think you see throughout the scheduling, you know, no one, no one has a cakewalk schedule, like in terms of the Big Ten teams. Like, again, Nebraska, they get Rutgers, they get Illinois, who, you know, Rutgers and Illinois, you know, Rutgers is like basement at this point in the Big Ten. Illinois, I think they're probably going to regress to be being a 6-6 six and six type of team this year. But then you have Ohio State and USC, Minnesota, who I think, again, might be an 8-4, and 9-3 caliber team. Maryland has uh, some good talent. Michigan. And so they've got three or four premier teams, a couple mid-teams, and then the weaker teams. And it seems to me like that really is where the scheduling is in terms of breakdown of, of almost every every team and every school. Uh, so I, I think it's it's good scheduling. It doesn't seem like anyone is, is really overweighted uh, in terms of competitive struggle. Which leads to, I think, a, a, a couple of thoughts. One is that this does make life harder for the teams that have been in the West. So if you remember, West teams, they all played each other and then they would rotate. And often, you know, and this was even true the past couple of years, you would look at the teams who didn't play East crossover games with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, and you'd be like, they have the best shot to win the West. And often that was the case. Like if they if they had the easier crossover schedule, you know, they had Penn State, Maryland, and Rutgers. Well, it's like, or Indiana, Ohio State, and uh, 
Michigan State. It's like, okay, you have a shot to win because you don't have Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, Maryland, which is two really good teams and then a, a mid-tier team in the East. You know, So a lot of the West teams benefited from not having to deal with the East, all of the East powers. Now, all of a sudden, not only do they have to deal with more of the East powers or USC, they also have to deal with the reality that they need the first or second best record in the Big Ten to actually get into the dance, right? You can't go eight and four anymore and make the Big Ten championship game, right? Just doesn't work. So the West teams, I think this really hurts them. I don't think you're going to see Wisconsin in a Big Ten championship game, championship game for a while. Like I just because they they don't recruit, they don't recruit as well. Now Fickle, I think, can do some things about that, but it's still an uphill battle for them to get to get there because you're dealing with Ohio State and Ryan Day, you're dealing with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, Penn State and James Franklin, and Lincoln Riley and USC. And so even if you have a good season and even if your schedule is a little bit more lenient, you've also got to deal with the fact that you've got four teams who are recruiting better than you almost every year. And not just recruiting a little better, but significantly better. So I think it hurts the West teams. At the same time, I think it really helps teams like Indiana and Rutgers and Maryland and Michigan State because guess what? They don't have to deal with the log jam in front of them. You know, so looking even at the 2024 schedule for, for Rutgers, they they still get, well, actually looking at Rutgers' schedule, it doesn't help them that much. They get Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State. But look at Rutgers in 2025. They still get Penn State. That's a protect or that not a protected game, but they get Penn State twice. But they, they get USC, and then it's Maryland, Purdue, Wisconsin, Indiana, Nebraska, Northwestern, UCLA. This is not me predicting that Rutgers will go 7-5 and five in 2025. But if you were to tell me what, what chance does Rutgers have in 2025 to maybe eke out three or four wins in the Big Ten, 2025 could be the year. Like they they could possibly upset Maryland. They could possibly upset Purdue. You know, they could they could beat Indiana. They could beat Northwestern. They could possibly beat ne- Nebraska. You know, that's that's depending on whether if Nebraska doesn't improve under Matt Rule, which I think they will. But like Rutgers could get three three wins in the Big Ten. They could get bowl eligible because then all they have to do is win, you know, schedule easy in the non-conference. So it helps teams like that. It helps the, 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 the teams in the East that were stuck behind the, the log jam of top 10 national teams in the East, right? Maryland, it really helps. Like it really helps Maryland. And so, again, in 2025, they have a more brutal schedule because they have to deal with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. All right? That's, that's not 
you know, that's hard. But you look at their 2024 schedule, they get Rutgers, Michigan State, Purdue, USC, and Wisconsin at home. Like, it's possible they go undefeated at home. And I know USC would be the toughest one and Wisconsin would be tough. But Maryland's got talent. And then their away schedules, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and Michigan. Like, could they go 8-1 and in the Big Ten and sneak into the Big Ten championship game in 2024? Like, I, I'm not projecting that. I'm not saying that's true. But it, it gives a team like Maryland a much better shot in certain years because they don't have to deal with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and U.S. or Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State in the same year when they're all good. Now, USC most likely is going to be really, really good, right? Wisconsin is going to get better under Luke Fickle. But again, it, it really does help those, I, I think particularly the Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers and Indiana. It helps Indiana and Rutgers to be bowl eligible, like to get to bowl eligibility certain years. I think for Maryland and for Michigan State, it, it gives them more opportunity to be the dark horse in the conference. So I think that's that's a big deal. Um, I I think the the other probably the other takeaway in all of this is. In some ways, you're going to get, you're going to keep some of the tradition that the Big Ten really loves. At the same time, you're going to you're going to get some really fun marquee matchups throughout the next couple years, right? So you're going to get Michigan at USC in 2024. You're going to get Michigan hosting UCLA, right? Penn State is going to host USC. Like that's crazy. They're gonna they're gonna host their home their home schedule in twenty twenty four. They get Michigan State. They get Nebraska. They get you know Northwestern. Okay, no offense, Wildcat fans, but they get Ohio State and USC. Like which one's the whiteout game? Like traditionally you'd think Ohio State, but man, you get USC at night. Their their Big Ten debut, whoo, that's fun, man. That's really fun. You know, Ohio State gets to go out to Pasadena for UCLA. That's a fun matchup. And so you're going to get a lot of great matchups, I think, over the next few years. It makes things fresh. Uh, You're going to get really great coaching matchups. We talked about this in, in other podcasts, but ultimately I, I look at this, this schedule and I, I think while there are certainly gripes about it, I think it's set up about as well as you can do it because it's, it's guaranteeing that every team's going to play each other in, in the next four years. You're getting the two best teams in the Big Ten championship game every year. And it, it'll have stakes. It honestly, it will have more stakes than it had that than it has in the past. 
because typically over the past, I think, 10 years of the Big Ten championship game, one team has had playoff implications and the other team is playing spoiler. I think the only year, no, there are two years that I think that wasn't the case. I think 2015 uh, when Michigan State and Iowa played uh, in, in 2015, those two teams were really playing for a playoff spot. And then in 2017, Ohio State didn't make the playoff, but they had a chance to get in, particularly if they had if they had beaten Wisconsin pretty badly. And Wisconsin would have gotten in if they beat Ohio State. Those are the only two years that I can think of since the inception of, of, of the Big Ten Championship game that there's actually been real stakes for the playoff. And now you're talking about home field advantage, a first round bye, and both teams are probably going to be in the playoff. So which one gets the advantage moving forward? Huge stakes, and you're going to get a much better matchup, and, and which means better ratings, which means more sponsorships, more money, more investment in these programs and athletic departments. So I ultimately, I really like, I like that they've gone away from divisions. I think that's really smart. I think the schedules really make sense, and... I think while I think stuff with Penn State, you know, that's probably not going to be fun for Penn State fans to to chew on. I do think it is – I do think it is about as fair as you can make it. And it's really guaranteeing, I think, the the success of the conference, not just within the conference and conference competition – but I think for the playoff moving forward. So love to hear your thoughts. Uh, leave a review. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, I think on Spotify you might be able to leave comments as well. But yeah, thank you for listening. Um, I, I'll be taking, again, a couple weeks off here. And then we'll, we'll probably start to get more into the swing of things as we hit July. Again, this is the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify. Leave a review. This is Zach Guggenheim, your host, signing off. Take care. God bless.